week we were packed wall to wall and staged to back. And I mean, we had it going on as we, I don't even know how many kids we had up here being dedicated, uh, like 19 families. And it was just an awesome moment on Mother's Day to take time for each of our families to ask for help and assistance and prayer for them as they dedicate their children to Christ, as they take time to lead them to know him. What a great way to glorify God. You know, we just talked about the song here at the offering, glorify him. As we were going through last week, it's Mother's Day, and so we, so we talked about suffering. Why did we talk about that? Well, some moms are like, it's very appropriate, that's why, you know. The other side of it is because, you know what, we're walking through the book of First Peter, and that's what was next. And what we do is we're just walking cover to cover through these books, and we're just learning, and we're seeing what God has to teach us. You know what's amazing when you do that? Is God's got a plan. I can't tell you how many people came to me this week saying that last week was pivotal for them. Let me just read one email for you. It says, Hi, I had spoken to you after the service yesterday. Uh, I just wanted to thank you again. I can't even put into words how much yesterday's service meant to me. I'm going through a very painful divorce that has caused me to lose my best friend of 10 years. And the last eight months has been the worst time of my entire 30 years. Every day has been a struggle for me. I've been trying to work on my relationship with Christ through it all, but yesterday was pivotal for me. And I can't begin to thank you enough for that. For the first time in my entire life, but especially in the last eight months, I am finally in a place where I let it go. I gave it over to God. I feel a peace. And I can't believe it, but I'm saying I'm happy. It's amazing. Thank you a million times over. Thank you. You know what? We're just taking a little bit of time to go through the word each week. And we just let the Lord talk. I had a number of people come to me this week and they said, it, it was like God was speaking right to me. And each one was talking about something completely different. I, I'm telling you, whatever God's doing in your life, he's got a plan. And we walk through the word and we try to take a moment to simply say this. Lord, may you be glorified. Lord, may you be shown off in my life, whether it be through public testimony of some change going on or even a private experience where you're just blown away by him. Today, we're looking at one thing. How can I glorify God? You know, Peter's in the midst of this suffering thing. He's talking about it for two and a half chapters here. How can I glorify God is what he's covering today. He gives us a few steps in first Peter chapter four, verses one through 11, we're going to walk through those one by one. You know, the ushers are coming forward and they've got some Bibles in their hands. And like I said, we're just going to walk verse by verse through this. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you. Okay. Just raise your hand and they'll get a Bible to you. First Peter chapter four, verses one through 11. And remember, we're answering this question. How can I show him off? That's what we're answering. First, glorify God as you triumph over physical suffering. Glorify God as you triumph over physical suffering in the flesh. Let's just start right here in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, so he gives us this nice lead in, since therefore, and when we see a therefore, we say, what's the therefore, therefore? So for those of you who are new to harvest, that's a little phrase we got going. It just recognizes that word, as being important. 
Let's not blow off the words, okay? Therefore, it's a connecting word. It says, you know what we just talked about? It's got some impact. Therefore, okay? So let's just go back. Chapter 3, right at the end there, verse 18, he says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And then verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, you hear it? So because of what Christ has done, because of who he is, because of his sacrifice, here's a few things Peter's challenging us with through the inspiration of God. Middle of, middle of verse one there. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Arm yourselves. This is a military term. It means pick up your weapons and get ready for war. That's what that word means. Arm yourself. Get ready for battle. But this battle is a battle of the mind. It says arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Make sure you're processing correctly. Make sure you're grasping what God is doing and what he's not really about doing. Make sure you're thinking correctly when it comes to this suffering thing. Otherwise, you could be really rocked the wrong way. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Same way. You know, that willingness to suffer for the good of others. That willingness to suffer for the glory of God. Arm yourself. He says here, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Whoever has suffered in the flesh. You know, it's not really a question of if. If I'm going to suffer. It's when. It's, it's coming. Be prepared. This world has some things to deliver to us, and some of them aren't all that warm and fuzzy. It's when. When are we going to suffer? You know, have you ever wondered why God isn't on a different plan? I mean, really, like, I've even come up with a great title for it, like the no pain campaign. You know what I mean? Like, it's all about our comfort. I mean, wouldn't that be easy to sell? You're like, you should come to Jesus. Since I came to know him, nothing. I haven't been sick. I haven't hurt. My knees feel like I'm 14 years old. I'm ready to play football again. It's unbelievable. You should meet my God. You'll feel good for the rest of your life, right? The no pain campaign. Why is that not his plan? I'll tell you why. Because no pain sells glory to me. No pain lifts me up. Oh, really? You mean it can be all about me and my comfort? That's awesome. I'll buy into that, right? Well, who wouldn't? Self-absorbed and you can stay that way, right? The challenge is, are you ready to set you down and lift him up? And the no pain campaign doesn't really get that done. You know, the suffering purpose, it, it really has one main role. God takes the hurting person, the believer. He stands them up and he sets them in the middle of a struggle and he sets an unbeliever right next to them in the middle of the same struggle. And as the two of them are struggling through the same kind of thing, this one has this unbelievable peace in the moment and being able to point to him and say, my God is so valuable. You need to know him. You see, it begins to say, 
take your eyes off yourself. There's an unbelievable abiding that you can have with the Almighty. That's God's plan. The suffering plan. He says, whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We have to be a little careful with this phrase here, okay? Ceased from sin. I wrote down a few things. First of all, ceased from sin. You might think of it this way. A physical struggle, a flesh struggle, it reminds us that this whole world is just temporary. We can get really hung up on what's going on, you know? Like, I'm getting all excited about making a little money today, or I'm getting all excited about those promotions, or I'm getting all excited about this new relationship I'm starting in my life, and and all of a sudden, we're really getting hung up on me and the feelings of me and how wonderful me is, and you know what I'm talking about? Like, meology instead of theology, right? We get all hung up on me. Another one is uh, when you get into the middle of struggling... I'll tell you this, it causes you to let go, to leave that which is causing pain, right? So as you're sitting here clinging to this world and all of a sudden it stings, you go, man, who would want to be around that? But more than that, it causes you to lunge for your Savior. That's really what suffering is doing. It's causing you to let go and lunge towards your God. That's the way you actually begin to cease from sin. As you begin to grip onto him and know him better and deeper and richer, as you let go of whatever it is you were clinging to, you begin to experience a purifying and a transforming and a renewing. You know, in Romans chapter 6, it talks about this sin being crucified. This dethroned is another way to say it. No more authority or power in your life. No more authority or power in your life. Don't say it the other way. No more. I'll never sin again. See, all of a sudden we start going, really? That's not my personal experience. Yeah, that's because that's not what it means. What it means is no more authority in your life. It will not dominate you. And now you're on a path, a progression of becoming more like him. We call it the sanctification process. Looking more like him over time. How does it work? It's that let go and lunge towards God's secret. It's as you let go of the junk and grab onto him, God begins to perform like a divine surgical procedure on you as he's removing the muck, the self-absorbed, the the things that aren't glorifying or honoring to him, but are very glorifying and honoring to you. And he's surgically removing that and leaving you unbelievably pure. You see, we have a choice when we go through struggling to either get better or to get bitter and there's only one of the two and the question is are you letting god work or not if you properly struggle if you've armed yourself with the right kind of thinking then suffering in the flesh will cause you to cease from sin there will be pieces of sin that you will let go of there will be parts of you that will be purified and then god says time to move on to the next It's not a question of if, it is a question of when. And God's got a plan to make you look more like him. Purifying of the heart through and through, okay? Verse 2, it says, So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. What does it mean like to have ceased from sin? It means no more of my passion dominating, but now it's, God, what do you want? Lord, where do you want to head? What do you want accomplished? I'm ready to say my work is for you. 
I'm ready to say my family, it's for you. I'm ready to say my friendships, for you. My money, it's for you. My all, it's for you. Lord, may I let go of my passions and grab onto you and your will. That's the challenge. You know, there was a guy who owned an orange grove, brought a friend over to show him, walked him into one part of the orange grove and he said, what do you think? The guy goes, looks horrible. It's falling apart. What's wrong with these trees? He said, well, the irrigation pump died. And so there's no water getting out into the fields here. The trees are withering right there as we look at them. Check this out, though. Walks him over to another spot and goes, what do you think? And he goes, man, these orange trees look awesome. So what? The irrigation pump for this field is working? And he goes, no, same irrigation, same water, same deprivation here. The difference is with these, when they were young, I actually would withhold water every once in a while. And it would cause their roots to drive down deep into the ground to look for moisture. These trees are well-rooted. And with the lack of water, they're still drawing moisture from deep within. That's what suffering does for you and for me. Are you ready to have your roots driven deep? Are you ready to draw deep from the Almighty? Are you ready to extract only from God, not from this world, that which is completely worthwhile? If that's where you're going, there's going to be a lot of satisfaction along the way. He brings that suffering to drive roots deep. What's your suffering moment? What's the thing that God's bringing you through right now where you could experience triumph for his glory, letting your roots drive deep to draw from him? Make sure you hand it over to him. Arm yourself with that right way of thinking. Get ready to go after it with him. So first way we can glorify God, triumph. Really digging deep with him. Number two, glorify God by your public testimony. Glorify God by your public testimony. He starts out in verse three here. He says, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. The time that is past suffices. I love the way he said this. He could have said, look, you wasted your time. You were wrong before and you're wrong now if you're keeping it. He didn't get attacking. He said, all right, you've spent your time there before. Can we just call it good enough, please? Can, can you just say that's good enough? Maybe, maybe another phrase, no more. Like we're done with that. That time suffices. I'm not going to live within that stuff anymore. It's the no more campaign. Okay. Maybe we should just say it. Just say no more with me. No more. It's like, let's get real on it. One more time. Ready? No more. It's I'm done living in a way that doesn't glorify God. It's time to live for him. Well, what things are we to be done with? Peter says, in case case it's not clear, let me just uh, walk through these. Living in, and then he goes through a list. Sensuality, like unbridled desire. Passions, like sinful lusts, wants, hungers. Drunkenness, it literally means wine bubbling up. That's what it literally means there, the word they use. Like, you are so overflowing with it. Orgies, wild parties with alcohol and sex and all the rest. A ton of honoring me and my feelings. Drinking parties. This is the, where can I go to get drunk? Hey, why don't you come to my house? Let's get drunk. The whole point of the party is to get drunk. Those are things to be walking away from. 
lawless idolatry. A time where we put anything other than God first in our life and run after that. Idolatry. He's saying those are the things to say no more to. It's time to walk away. It's time to do another thing. You know, just a little note. Those that are running hard after those, they end up in one spot. Shame, addiction, despair. They're feeding self. And it comes to one conclusion. There's nothing new under the sun. And that really wasn't worth running after. Watch out. All the world has to offer is despair in the end. The Lord has to offer joy, total satisfaction, completely amazed with him. Well, how would the world respond if you do that? Take a look at what it says. He says, uh, verse 4, with respect to this, they, you know, those ones who are continuing in it. By the way, Gentiles doesn't mean just ones who aren't Jews. It means those who are living without God. With respect to this, they, the ones living without God, are surprised when you do not join them. You know, you get the, that, that kind of response. So our response is no more. And their response to that is, oh, total surprise. You know what I mean? You, you might want to try it with me. It, it gives you a fresh moment. Give, give a little, oh, go ahead. It, you're going to hear it. I'm telling you, you're going to hear it. It may not be audible. It may be more visual when their eyes get like the size of saucers, you know? Really? You don't want to come with? I, I thought you've been doing this with us. So why wouldn't you continue this way? There's going to be a surprise. You know, I wrote down the surprise. It leads to discomfort. They're like, really? You don't want to participate in this? I don't get it. Now that you don't get it, you go, and I don't think I want to hang around it. I'm a little uncomfortable. What are you judging me? Is that what you're doing? And they begin to step away. And then the discomfort turns to the next step. It says right here, they will malign you. They will malign you because you're not joining them in their flood of debauchery, in their flood, pouring over the top, taking control, flood. They're maligning you. That means, you know, they're speaking ill of you. They're speaking ill of your God. They're really not saying very nice things. You know, they might be saying, Something like, you Bible banger, you Jesus freak. You know, maybe they're doing the, ooh, you're too good for us, fine. You know what I mean? You get one of those. You get a little bit of the judgment moment. Now, hear me out. If they're saying that because you've said, I'm not going to go there with you, you loser. Like, then, then they should be saying, ooh, you, you know what I'm saying? Don't bring it on yourself, okay? If your words are harsh and judgmental, if your words put them back on their heels, well, then we need to talk a little bit about how we're presenting it. Remember, we talked last week about with gentleness and respect. Let's be careful to make sure that they're not being judged by our words, but they're just being convicted as they see you live with your almighty God. Make sure your actions are a high calling. Now, if they ask you, well, what would make you go that way? Hey, great. You've got a great moment to be able to share with them what God's doing in your life. And why you're so committed to this. Take that moment. Just be careful. Make sure they're not judging you because you've been a jerk. Make sure they're actually maligning you because you're just living it pure. And they don't get it. See the difference? Okay. That's a big deal. It says they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. 
Peter keeps coming back to this. Have you noticed this? This is like the third time where he's like, don't worry. It's not yours to vindicate. God will take care of it. You know, the one who judges, just let it go. Your job is to glorify him. His job is to protect his name. Let it go. Don't try to protect your name. Don't go running after this thing. Don't worry about it. It's all going to work out in the end. God's got it under control. He says here right at the end, verse 6, For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead. Not that it was preached to them while they were dead. It was preached to them before they're dead. But now they're dead, and what do they benefit from it? Though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. There's a gospel message. If we accept who Jesus Christ is, if we run hard after him, we have an opportunity to live all of eternity with him. Let's say this again, all of eternity with him. So it's like been six billion years and you look back and you're like, man, those 50 years there where they were ragging on me about this stuff was really hard. Really? You think that's what you're going to think about? You've got billions and billions of years behind you in this little sliver of time and then billions and billions and billions and billions and right. And you're thinking of the sliver. Let go of it. Peter's basically saying this. Hey, what's the worst they can do? Kill you? To live is Christ and to die is gain. Do we believe it? It's time to start living for him. It's time to start honoring him with our actions and our words and our thoughts. Why? Not because we're earning salvation. Please don't get this wrong. Let's not get the cart before the horse. We're trusting in him. We're leaning on him. He is our savior. We become his child. Then we say, what better way to thank him than to give him my life back in return? That's where it's at. It's a thank you offering to say, you're amazing. You want to talk about a testimony that's going to rock people? Be sacrificial in your time with him. Be amazingly giving with him. You know, uh, I had a, a number of experiences in uh, the engineering world where Thursday nights were party time. And uh, so they went out and did their thing. And a couple of times I got invited along, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, it wasn't exactly what it was going to be initially. And so we got there and it got to be uh, a much more of a drink fest. And I'm not drinking. And it gets to a point where somebody makes a comment like, dude, come on, are you going to have anything? And, you know, I'll have a Coke, you know, I'll drink some. And it ends up that the next time they have that party, they're walking down the hallway and they're like, hey, dude, Thursday night, we're going to go over to so-and-so's house. Thursday night, Thursday night. How you doing, Tim? Thursday night. Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, It's real. It, it makes a very clear moment as you live your life and, and as you just take public testimony that your God is making a difference in your life. I'm telling you, I didn't stand up and give a four-point sermon there. I, I wasn't on the, let me thump hard on this Bible and preach to you. I just stayed the course and I had a lot of people asking questions over the period of time. And it gives you a great opportunity to share your faith. Pick your time. When people are drunk, probably not the time. Okay. Question is, are you ready to share your testimony? Are you ready to be real about the God who is real in your life? That's one way to glorify him. So first, it's be ready to triumph in your suffering. Second, it's be ready to have a testimony to glorify him, to give him the honor as you live your life for him. Testimony. Third, glorify God in your tenderness developed by pain. 
Glorify God in your tenderness developed by pain. He starts in verse 7 here. The end of all things is at hand. Okay, what he's not saying. Destruction. Hurt. What he's talking about here is the fulfillment. The fulfillment of all things would be the best way to understand it. It's like the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's almost here upon us. And the good news is it's like 2,000 years closer to he's almost here upon us. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, what's the therefore? Therefore, right? Because it's almost at hand, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Self-controlled, meaning watch your actions, be able to control them through the power of God Almighty. Sober-minded. The opposite of sober is drunk, distorted thinking, not getting the right picture, blurred image, blurred understanding. That's what he's talking about. Don't be that. Have a clear understanding of who God is and what he's doing. Sober-minded, right thinking, and right acting. Why? Because it's going to benefit your prayer life. How's your prayer life going? Maybe it's being hindered because you got a lot of hurts going on in your life or you're hurting other people and you're really not handling it well from a thinking or an acting perspective. The more that we try to retaliate and protect self, the more we break down the communion with our Almighty. You know, we're told very clearly in John 15 that the power of prayer is in the abiding with Him. If you're abiding with God Almighty, you will be self-controlled, fruit of the Spirit. You will be sober-minded. It's going to be a part of your life. And abiding with Him is exactly where answered prayer comes from. Hear me on this. Answered prayer is not you getting what you want. Answered prayer is you understanding what God wants and hardcore praying for it. And him saying, absolutely, that's where I'm going. There's a big difference. If we turn prayer into a self-serving moment, all we've done is go back to the no pain campaign, right? We're going back to just give me what I want, please. How many times do I have to ask? That's really a bogus understanding of prayer. Abide with him. He is moving in this world. He's shaping lives. He's working with you. What's his thought? Where's he headed? Self-controlled and sober-minded. It's going to open you up to understanding and abiding with the Almighty as he moves in this earth for the sake of your prayers. It's a big deal. Verse 8. Above all, wow, like with all those other things, this one's more, right? With everything I've just said, above that, here's what I'm asking you to know. Above all, like, Important. That's really what we need to hear about this, right? Maybe you should just say the word with me. Just say important. Important. Like, I better get this. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive the above all? Keep loving one another earnestly. Keep loving one another earnestly. Keep. In other words, you're already doing it. Don't stop. More and more, please. What a great way to honor him who's best known as God is love. You want to glorify him, reflect his character completely. Keep loving him. Now it says earnestly. This word earnestly is like a word used for a runner who's stretching and striving as hard as they can. You see him not just lollygagging along, but like really driving at it. That 
is earnestly. There's only one other time this word is used in the entire New Testament. It's used at the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is praying earnestly and he's sweating drops of blood. What kind of effort should we be putting forth? Completely focused, driven, sweating blood, unbelievable passion focus, love for one another. Above all else, have that. If we don't have that, this body is not reflecting him very well. This is a mirror with a bunch of junk on it so you can barely see. We need to be reflecting him who is love. Above all. This is a big deal. You know, it says right after it, above all, keep loving him earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. How does it do that? How does love cover a multitude of sins? I just wrote down a few thoughts. How does love cover a multitude of sins? First, uh, there's a lot less judging going on when you're loving. It's not judging. It's coming alongside and helping, shepherding. You know, it talks about overlooking a fault. Uh, the idea of if every single moment of every single day, any single time you do any possible thing to step on any one of my toes or anything, I'm going to tell you about it. That's not a very fun place to be living, right? It's an idea that we need to have some tolerance and patience with all of us in the sanctification process. I mean, really, isn't it kind of foolish for us to be walking around going, not perfect, not perfect, not perfect, not perfect, I'm not perfect, not perfect. I mean, don't we all know that? Can we just concede that right now? Like we're all not perfect. Does everybody get that? Okay, so time to work with each other in a little bit of a forbearing way, okay? We've got the not perfect point. Now it's time to start working on, so how can we glorify him, okay? Let's try to work that way. Let's work to those ends. Another thought, it celebrates healing. Why is love covering a multitude of sins? Because you're celebrating healing and growth, restoration. God is a God of restoration. We see it all through 2 Corinthians Chapters 3 through 6. His ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. That's what he's all about. Is bringing us back to a perfect relationship with him. Restoring. It's a good thing. Love's all about it. So do you know someone who's sinning? Maybe they're sitting in your section. Maybe in your row. Maybe they're next to you. Maybe it's you who's making really bad choices. Here's the question. Are you judging and retaliating? Are you trying to hurt them back to the kingdom? That's a bad plan. Are you loving them, shepherding them, putting your arm around them? Are you caring for them? Are you letting your tenderness because of the pain you've experienced be an arm that reaches out to bring them in to a loving body? That's what it needs to be about. He goes one step further and he says, show hospitality to one another. Show hospitality to one another. This word hospitality, it literally means use your stuff to help other people feel cared for. Your home, your food, whatever, you know, your bike, whatever it is, you're loaning something out. We just bought my daughter a new bike this week and I will have to teach on the hospitality piece a little bit. Probably it's brand new. You know, it's like nobody touched my bike. It's, it's an awesome looking 
thing for her. And hospitality, what does it mean? It means be ready to share. Be ready to pull someone in with it and care for them. It means not just those people I know really, really well and I'd call them best friends, but even people I don't know. It means I keep shaking hands with that couple in this section every week and we're like, hey, how's it going? And one week I forget their name and the other week I'm like, I hear the husband say to the wife, hey, how's it going, Lynn? You're like, Lynn, it's Lynn. Okay, I got it. You know, like, okay. And so you keep trying to remember names and then maybe it's time to invite each other out to a dinner. You know, maybe it's the, hey, we're the easterly most section. Let's go out together and have a lunch, you know? And we hang out a little bit and learn about each other. It's just caring for people, people you may not even know. Right now, I know there's a lot of guys going, oh, no, you've just given my wife the privilege, (laughs) right? Okay, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. (laughs) That little piece was tacked on, right? It's not the, oh, great, somebody's coming to the house tonight. That's not the plan, okay? It's the, hey, how can we reach out? How can we care for someone? We actually, in our house, we have a rule. I tend to not make any plans after 5 o'clock. Jonna makes the after five plans. I make the eight to five plans. Why? Because otherwise we have dual plans and we're messing something up. So I don't make the after five plans. I don't make the weekend plans. That's what she does. And we talk through, like, where are we going to go? Who are we going to get together with? How's that going to hook up? We've got some nights that are family nights. We've got some nights that are for going out. Make some plans. Talk it out. A little bit of boundary helps for safety. Ladies, just a little tip. So as your, if your husband's like freaking out and sometimes it might be the other way that the guy's the guy who's really hospitable and the woman's maybe stressing a bit. So whichever side I'm talking to right now, if you're stressed about hospitality, just make a little bit of plan, get a little bit of boundaries so you get the gist of where it's going to be and then reach out and start caring for those around you. Show hospitality to one another. Why? Because it's exactly God's character. It glorifies him. Reach out with all you've got, whether it be loving, whether it be being hospitable, you have a chance to glorify him in the tenderness that you've drawn from pain, from suffering. What is it you've learned? Maybe you can share it with someone else. You know, uh, when I was 23 years old, I was at the U of I. My sister was 20. She was at uh, Moody Bible Institute and uh, she ended up having an aneurysm. And she passed away. She was, uh, uh, it was very sudden. And none of us knew or expected it. I can tell you, I will never forget the moment where we were sitting at Northwestern Memorial Hospital downtown. And we were sitting in the ICU room where the parents sit with the doctors and nurses. And my dad needed to say the words, you can go ahead and turn off the life support. And I was sitting next to him and he said, you can, and he, he, he could, you know, he couldn't do it. And I put my hand on his thigh and he slapped his hand down over mine. I don't know if he even remembers this. And he looked down and he just said, go ahead. You can, you can shut it off. And I looked up and the nurse across from us you know, hardened veteran in ICU, tears just streaming down her eyes as we just made one of the toughest decisions of our lives. I'm telling you, going through that pain has made me a completely different person. You walk in a room, you see pain. 
You walk into a room that's got a lot of people, I can tell you, people that are hurting. It just gives you an awareness for what you went through, for what you struggled with, for where you're at. Here's my request to you. Don't let your hurting be wasted. Get tender. Become aware. Know where God's working. And be able to come alongside and simply say this, I'm here for you. I don't know how I could even help. Maybe it's just sit here quietly, but I'm here for you. Tenderness through pain. It's an awesome way to reflect the glory of God. What pain's God calling you through? Are you ready to go through it? Don't, don't hear me right. In the midst of the pain, just hurt. Okay. It's time for healing. And many of you have come to this church just recently, maybe from a pain through the church or friendships or whatever. It's time for some healing for you. It's time for us who have gone through to reach out. Your season's coming. There'll be a moment where you've come through the healing and you're going to need to be reaching out and caring for those around you. That's what we're all about. It's healing and then helping. Healing and then helping. No better way to glorify God than letting the muck of this world shape us. Amen? So triumph, testimony, tenderness, and the last one is glorify God as you serve one another with your gifts. Glorify God as you serve one another with your gifts. It says here in verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. It's pretty direct, right? I got it right out of the scripture. Not being real creative, just quoting what it says. Use the gift God's given you. Did you know that? If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is what God says. We have at least one, if not more, spiritual gifts. As the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you, he's got a plan. He's saying, with your personality and with your passions, with your desires, I'm shaping you to specifically be able to do this. And I'm sending you to the local body to just blow them away with who I am. God sent you to us. He sent you to this body. And we together can make an unbelievable image and demonstration of him. You and me and all of us as we band together. Now, if you come in and you're in a hurting moment, we've already talked about it. Take that time to heal. But seriously, God's gifted you. And the plan is along the way, as you heal, it's time to get you plugged in. Why? Not because we have stuff to do and we want it done. It's because we want to reflect him. And you've been sent here with a purpose. I'm not sure what it is. But I'll tell you this, Pastor Kent, myself, and all the rest of the staff, our goal is to constantly be looking around for who's coming in and saying, what's God up to next? I can almost tell you what ministries are going to launch next by who's coming in next. I can tell you as I meet people and they're more bent towards one thing or another, I'm going, oh, that's going to fire up. We better start watching out. God's doing something. You're here for a reason. As each one has a gift, use it. To serve one another. I don't think I can say anything to be more direct. Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. 
Steward, it means manager, not owner, manager. God has lent you the abilities and the skills and the passions and the experiences. He's entrusted you with that so that you can further his glory and his kingdom. Are you ready? Are you ready to step in and say, it's time for God to be unbelievably shown off in this place. And I want to be a part of it. It's time for God to simply look down and say, that's exactly what I gave you that for. Now that's what I'm talking about. Are you ready to be good stewards of his grace as he's poured into your life? God's got a purpose and there's a lot of opportunities around here for filling in. We would love for you to find a spot where you can simply say this. I am here to show him off. Let's go. It could be in the smallest of moments. It could be in the greatest of moments as you faithfully serve him and help accommodate what's going on around here for his name. Amen. We're talking about a great opportunity to serve. If you're in a spot where you're going, yeah, I haven't done that. I am not aware of what I could be doing. Talk to us. Call the church office. Send an email. Use the new website. We've actually got on the website under the adult page, there's a volunteer ministry section and it describes all the different volunteer things we have going on. Send an email and let us know what you're thinking. Let's get you plugged in. It's time for you to be able to simply say this, God, I want to glorify you. And you've sent me as a steward. Let's use it for your glory. He goes one step further here. He describes some of these gifts. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, you have the chance to speak with the very words of God. Please use it. Right? That's what he's saying. If you've been given the gift of speaking, don't make it all about me world. Make it about him world. Speak the very words of God. And may they come to life in this church as we have those with gifts of speaking, using them all over the place. Children's and students and adult levels. Let's light this place up with the oracles of God, the very words of God. And it says, and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. We're not talking about you muscling it. We're not talking about you making do with what you can do. We're talking about you saying, Lord, what do you want from me? And I think the best way to let him unleash in your life is back to that self-controlled and sober-minded. You get your life in line with him, you're going to be amazed at what he empowers you to do. This is kind of how God works. He's going along and he's like, all right, I need to work with somebody. They're on fire. It's time to get them lit up a little bit more. Who do I got right around him who's on fire and ready to go? There we go. Bam. Puts them together. If you're on fire and you're walking around, you're going to be like, God just keeps putting other people in my place all the time. And I'm always talking to, yeah, that's the plan. The more on fire you are, the more opportunity you have to witness, to share, to, to move with other people. And the more you're kind of living for yourself, he's like, not right now. We're going to go over here. Like that's where it's at. God's going to work with us in the midst of our willingness to be with him. You're going to be amazed at how much he uses you in serving and loving and being hospitable and caring for others. If you put yourself out there for him, it's all about his glory, not mine. That's what this is all about. Where do I get it from? Uh, the last half of verse 11. In order that in everything. Wow, that's a big word. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's where we need to be going. If this isn't about glorifying him, we're playing a club. 
let's just shut it down. We better be giving him glory. And I mean regularly. I mean often. I mean lifting him up in ways unimaginable. Whether it be through testimonies of pain that we're going through where we've got hope in him as our eyes are fixed on him. Maybe it's in tenderness as you look back at a pain you've had and you're now taking care of someone next to you. Maybe it's in the midst of you just giving of what God's given to you so that you can pour it out. May God be glorified in this place. Amen. That's where we need to be going. It's time to say, Lord, I don't know what you have in store next, but I'm ready for you to be shown off. I'm ready to make you famous. That's what I'm here for. Now that's purpose. Amen. Man, that fires me up a little bit. Can you tell? (laughs) If we're about that, we're getting it. If we're about that, God is going to continue to lavish upon us blessings of all sorts and kinds because his name is being made famous. May your life this week be exactly that. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's pray.